All right, let me get my bearings here. The whole time coming into church today, coming to, to worship with you all, I couldn't shake the feeling of just being very, very grateful that I get to preach the word, that I get to worship with a, 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 great, a, a great group of people and just to be here in the, the light of God today. And I couldn't, I couldn't pick a, a better crowd to, to be a part of Christ's body with. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful, grateful for you all. So if you've, if you've been with us, is that too loud? That sounds loud. Is that too loud? No? It just sounds loud up here? If you've been with us over the last several weeks, you would know that we're working through First uh, of Beatitudes and now the Sermon on the Mount. It's a continued sermon um, of Christ himself. It's all found in, in Matthew 5 and 6. And that's we're continuing that. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Nate preached on uh, prayer and started prayer. And then Brian finished that same segment and concluded that with forgiveness. Uh, just to, to recap real quick on, on Brian's uh, sermon, and Brian, you get in here and you correct me if I'm even the least a bit wrong on this. Uh, fortunately, I wasn't here, but I did listen to it online. That's also a good note and segue. We do post all of our sermons online. It's churchongodsword.com. You can jump on there and uh, listen to any of our past sermons. If you miss a Sunday, you can, you can catch up and keep current. So I, I tell you that's something that you should do if you, if you do miss, or if you just want to go back and listen to some really good sermons. Some good content. Um, but just to recap on Brian's real quick, and, and forgiveness, and, a, and just a couple quick phrases. There's a lot there to unpack, but real fast. Basically, forgiveness, you can only serve one master. There's, and Jesus says this, you can only serve one master. You can serve sin, or you can serve him. You can live in sin. You can let sin be your master. You can be slave to sin, or you can live in him, free from sin. You can make Him your master. You can do His will. You can do what He requests. You can be His slave. You can be slave to righteousness. Again, there's a lot to unpack there in forgiveness, but is that just like quick, if I had to put it in two phrases, that would be it? Okay, good. Jesus said many times over when He healed when someone had faith and they came to him and he healed them, he said, go and sin no more. Enter through that narrow gate, go and sin no more, is what he said over and over again. You've been healed. Go and sin no more. So moving on, I'd like to maybe just add a little bit more to that forgiveness and that last part of Matthew 6. Let's go over there. So if you would, flip to Matthew 6. Let's go ahead and start with prayer, and with, with deep prayer, and then that Jesus gives us, and then we'll move down to, to verse 14, and then eventually uh, we'll tie that all into fasting. And I, 
I think, from my perspective, prayer and fasting are inseparable. They, they come together. So, I don't know that I could teach fasting or teach on the subject of fasting without first teaching on the subject of, of prayer. So, Jesus said, this is, this is how you pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Basically he's saying, Father in heaven, you're, you're worthy. Hallowed be your name. Your, your, your name is, is righteous. It's, it's glorious. It's perfect. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Simply there, your kingdom come, let your will be done, not mine. On earth, as it is in heaven. goes on to say, give us today our daily bread. That's, that's two different subjects in one right there. Give us today our daily bread, what we eat, our sustenance. Give us food today. Also, let us be in communion with you. Give us our daily bread. And then getting into forgiveness, and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. We have trespassed against you, Lord as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let us forgive others and their sins and those who've trespassed against us. And, let, and lead us not into, te- not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Keep us from doing wrong. Save us. Protect us from temptation and save us from the evil one. Then he goes on to say in verse 14, and it's interesting that Jesus reiterates a portion of that prayer. He says it again. He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. This is imperative that we understand the last bit of this to be able to go on to fasting. And it's because it's, it's, it's eternal. It's a heart issue. It's not a flesh issue. And many times over, as we look through the Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's Jesus is getting away from the physical and talking about the spiritual. And he's doing that here Again, and what he's looking for is he's not looking for not only for you to physically do something, but also for your spirit, for your heart to be in the right place. So why? Why why does he say this? Why does he say if you forgive others that you will be forgiven? Let's, Let's go to John 13, 6. You know, I may start a little bit earlier. Yeah, we'll start in 6. So the, the disciples are with Jesus now. They're, they're lined up. He's, he's washing their feet. In verse 6, he, it says, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, 
You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Not Sorry, let's go back. Need, need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. He's talking about Judas here. Not every one of you is Judas. For he knew who was going to betray him. And, he, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. In a nutshell, Jesus, there's a lot of symbology here in these few phrases, but Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And in this case, when we look back at Matthew 6 and prayer and forgiveness of our trespassers, Jesus is setting an example. He's saying, I washed your feet. I have made you clean. I have forgiven you. I have forgiven you. You have trespassed me against me and I have forgiven you your sins. Now all I expect from you, go wash others' feet. All I'm expecting for you is to forgive others. That's it. He laid an example before us. I tear up. My voice gets a little bit wavery there because I'm so thankful for it. I didn't deserve the washing that the Lord gave me. But why? Why does he set this example? Why does he say we must forgive our debtors? Why does he say that to us? What, what does he mean? And what is the symbology? And why do we wash others? And why do we forgive? What, how does, where does it culminate? And it culminates in one simple thing. He wants our hearts over and over again. You'll see through the Sermon on the Mount, what's physical is now spiritual. He wants your heart. He wants your soul. Why else would you forgive anyone else? 
Sorry about that. Why else would you forgive? Because it's a heart matter. It's a heart issue. It's deep down inside. Hold on to that. Put a pin in it. Because we're going to come back. Where we began is where where we will end. He wants our heart. And it's the same with fasting. As we examine fasting, it's the same exact thing. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Let's go back to Matthew. Matthew 6. We're we're looking now at fasting in verse 16. So this is what Jesus says. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces and show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. If we go back to prayer, in verse 5, we see the same thing, right? And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. It's interesting, isn't it, that he's saying, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't have this this outward, outward presentation of what you're doing. Don't have a disgruntled, somber look on your face. Don't distort your face so that people can tell that you're fasting, but instead do it in quiet. In fact, wash yourself so people can't tell. Look well. Because I want to see it when you're by yourself. I want to see it when it's just me and you. You're doing this for me, not for everybody else. Don't be like the hypocrites. Same with prayer. Don't go on forever babbling so that others can think more of you and think higher of you, that you have this great vernacular and and skill that you have tact, verbal tact. Don't, Don't do that. Don't glorify yourself. It's for me. Do it for me. Do it in quiet. I already know what you're going to say. I already know why you're fasting. I know what you're going to say before you say it. Do it in silence and do it for me. So back to fasting. Fasting we can find throughout the Bible. I think for the the sermon today and the subject, I actually got a pretty easy one because I think fasting is rather straightforward. It's, it's easy to comprehend. There's a lot of other subjects in the Bible that maybe spider web out and kind of go around, and there's many different layers to it, but I think fasting is really just straightforward and quite easy to teach on from my perspective. Hopefully I do a good job. Um, we, see, we see fasting with Moses when he's on Mount Sinai while receiving the commandments. Um, he was with God receiving the commandments, and he, and he fasted for 40 days. Um, and then we see it again. We see Jesus uh, fasting. When he went into the wilderness, went off by himself, he fasted for 40 days. 
uh, and then he was tempted. He was tempted by Satan. Fasting is, is a, again, it's a, simple, it's a simple subject, it's a simple word. It means to abstain from something, to give it up, whatever it is. There's many different types of fasting. We're going to go over that, but it means to abstain from something. That means to, to, to get rid of it, whether it's food, water. Uh, it could be a, a number of things. So there's, there's many different types of fasting, right? Um, and, and for this, this is not how the, the Bible categorizes these, but so that we can understand them, we've put them in some, we've given, given fasting some titles, like each, each type of fast that we see. So uh, the first one is the, the regular fast, regulatory fast. That means it's, it's typically, this type of fast is typically from food alone, um, but water is consumed. So it's a, it's a food fast, and you're not eating, whether it's solid food, or it could be liquid food, but you, you do consume water. Uh, we, see a, we see an example of that in Second Chronicles. Let's go over there, Second Chronicles 20. I remember where Chronicles is at. I go, it's, it's always 1, 2, 1, 2, 1, 2. So 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. That's how I remember where that's at. So go to the last Chronicles, the second one. And then uh, chapter 20. Do we happen to have maybe a napkin up here? Yeah. I'll just flip it over there. Excuse me for a second. There we go. Thank you. So, uh, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3, says, Alarm, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he, proclaimed a, and he proclaimed a fast in all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord, and indeed, indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So, at this point, Judah... During the uh, King Jehoshaphat's time, Judah's under siege. Uh, they're, they're at war, and they, they came together. Uh, Jehoshaphat proclaimed throughout all of Judah that there would be a, a fast, and they, they came together and they, they asked God for um, protection, and they fasted as a group. And in this case, they, they did what would be what we would call a regular fast. They, they fasted food. And then the, the second type of fast that we see is, is, is Daniel's fast, or some people call that a partial fast. And it basically means that we give up something. It could be food, it could be water, but we give up something. It also could be something that takes up our time, something that maybe we, we hold dear something that we like. I've heard a lot of people that talk about social media fasts. Um, there's probably quite a few different reasons other than just fasting for the Lord, but also it's good for you. <laughs> um, and we, we see that in Daniel. So let's go over to Daniel. So it's Daniel 10. 
verse 2. I'm sorry, guys, I didn't make a, uh, a verse list this morning. I apologize for that. I hope I'm going slow enough that you guys can kind of keep up. I'm not, I don't go through it too quickly. Hopefully make it easier on you and you can, you can keep up with the verses. But So uh, Daniel 10, verse 2. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. So he ate food, but he ate no choice food. my place again, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks was over, and then he, he, re- he received a vision about him, him later being Jesus. But if you, if you look at this phrase here, we see that he's fasting, but he's doing it in a way, he's not giving up all food, he's not doing a regular fast. He's fasting from certain foods, certain drinks, and certain things. Lotions. He fasted from lotions that would make him appear more well. Or that type. So we see that too. You'll hear people doing a, the Daniel's fast or a partial fast. Where they, they fast from those type items. Not, not necessarily all food, all water. And then there's the, the third fast, which is the absolute fast, right? That's, it's absolute. You're fasting from all food, water. That's an absolute fast where we give up food and water. We see that with, we see that with Saul before he became Paul. Christ blinded him. He was blind for three days, and in that time, he also fasted for three days, an absolute fast. It says he drank no food, he ate no food and drank no water. He fasted. That's an absolute fast. And then the, the third fast that we see, oh, we also see that um, with Moses when he was on, on Mount Sinai where he, he fasted with the Lord when he was receiving the commandments. That was an absolute fast. He didn't eat or drink. You can, you can check that out in Deuteronomy 9. And then the fourth and final fast is what's called a sexual fast. There's just a glimpse of this in the Bible. It just touches, I don't really actually know that much about it. I don't know that there's really all that much to to study on it. But it's found first in Exodus 19. um, While they were preparing for, to be in the presence of the Lord. Israel was preparing to, to come into the Lord's presence. He was going to come down from Mount Sinai and, and meet the Israelites. And during that time, Moses commanded the Israelites to fast, to sexually fast, that they, they were to, to not uh, be in contact with their wives three days prior so that they could be before the, the Lord. We see it again in 1 Corinthians. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 7. It's likely referring back to this some. Um, So 1 Corinthians 7, 5, it says here, Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So for whatever the reason the Lord has here, 
I find that his ways are pretty good, that, well, perfect, actually. But, he, but the, what the writer is saying is, don't sustain or don't, don't stay away from sexual relations except for mutually agreed upon times between husband and wife, right? Mutually agreed upon times to devote yourselves to prayer. So you're, you're sexually fasting to devote yourself to be more focused on prayer. And that's, that's the fourth um, fast that we see in the Bible. There's, there is a lot of scripture on fasting throughout. And again, it's from the beginning to the end. You see it all the way through. So, fasting in the New Testament. When we look at, when we look at the subject of fasting in the New Testament, there's, there's some passages and some of the early church in Acts that we see them fasting for the Lord. And it, I think this is really relevant for our time. We can look at that early church, I and mean, you can use that as an example of what fasting could look like for us today. Um, I have fasted. I fasted recently. Um, our brother uh, Brian has, uh, has cancer. And uh, I think it was actually Stephanie and Donaldo that asked the church to fast, to, to pray and fast for him. Um, so I, I partook in that. And I've got to tell you, I know the Lord's ways are perfect, but that for me was some of the best meditation I've ever had, ever. And it's, we don't go hungry very often. There's not too many Americans There are some that know what it means to be hungry, but there's not too many Americans that know what it means to be really hungry, right? We don't normally throughout our lives ever really go without even missing a meal. I know when I go out without missing breakfast or lunch, it like wrecks my day. But to do that over the course of three days, what I found was my prayer was amplified through the roof. I prayed probably every five minutes or less. And it's because every single time I got a hunger pain or I thought about food, I prayed. I was reminded to pray. And it's, it's meditating. You're, you're doing what the Lord asked to be in constant prayer. And I think that's what it means where it's just you can't even hardly get through a minute of your day without thinking about God, without thinking about Brian and, and asking God for heal him, right? Asking it to be his will and for him to, to do it. It was really enlightening to, to be there, and I, I hadn't ever been there in the past, not like that. And that's, that's part of the point of fasting, is that it's not an outward, right? It, it says not to, not to make it physical where we're showing the world that we're doing this fast and you're going around telling all your friends, yeah, I'm fasting this week. I can't, sorry, I can't come over. I apologize. I can't eat. I'm fasting. Yeah, we're praying. I'm doing it. I'm doing this thing, right? It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about God's will. 
So you, you do it upright. And you do it in silence. You don't say a word. That's what God's looking for. Between you and him. I was also, I've been preparing for this sermon. Uh, I was discussing this topic with, with Kim Kennedy. And she brought up a, she brought up a point that I had not thought about in the past, and that was your body is not you. Your body is not you. As Christians, we know that we have a spirit, right? It's an eternal spirit. It's going somewhere. And Christ's spirit, when we take him on, it comes alongside our spirit. But we have a spirit, and that's us. That's us. It's separate. It is separate from our physical being. Right? To go back to the subject of, of cancer, I don't have cancer. I don't get cancer. My body gets cancer. My soul outlives cancer. It goes on. Past my physical body and what, what my body can endure. My, my soul leaves that. And it's kind of the same with fasting. You're separating in that time of 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 prayer, in that time of worship, in that time of, oh man, I don't even, just in that time that you fast, that you're, you're, you're coming before the Lord to ask for His will to be done, in that time what you're basically saying is, my body doesn't matter. My physical needs don't matter. I'm putting those aside. I'm putting my flesh to the corner so that I can pray and be with you. And that's another component of fasting. Let's take a look at Isaiah 58. Just a minute. So Isaiah 58, verse 3. It says, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? So they're speaking to the Lord here. They've done these things, these things that He's asked them to do. And they're, they're asking, Lord, why, why have we done these things for you, but you have not reacted? Specifically, why have they fasted and you have not done anything. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. 
It is this kind of fast I have chosen. Only a day for people to be humble. To excuse me, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. It is not only for bowing one's head like a reed and for laying in sackcloth and ashes. Is it what you call a a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is it not the kind of fasting I have chosen to lose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the, uh, the oppressed free? To break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, then you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? They had this this outward fast, but it wasn't God's fasting. It wasn't for the Lord. It was for them. It was for their own pleasure. It was so that they could could quarrel and strike each other with wicked fists, which was probably slander and maligning words. Again, we look at we look at prayer as we studied prayer earlier, and if you were around for Nate's sermon on, on prayer, and then we look at fasting, and like I said, they're, they're inseparable. And the reason I say that is you can pray without fasting, but you can't fast without praying. It's not fasting, not biblical fasting. I've also fasted as, as dietary fasting, right? Intermittent fasting, those type of Fasts. Those are dietary fasts. That's not a spiritual fast. I wasn't, I wasn't specifically fasting so that I could go before the Lord and ask for His will to be done, but rather so that I could shed five pounds or I could stop eating sugar and I needed to detox my body. That's, that's fasting, but spiritual fasting, biblical fasting is only found with prayer. And it's powerful. It's powerful. Who here has fasted in prayer? Let's get a show of hands. Yeah, it's powerful. It's powerful for your spirit, but also you're tapping into God. He's not changing. Don't get me wrong. He's not a genie in the bottle, and when you stop to eat and suffer a little bit, all of a sudden, he'll do what you ask him. That's not the way it works, and that's not what I'm saying here. But rather, it's powerful because you're setting your flesh aside. You're coming before the Lord, just you and Him. Just you two. And you're changing. And you're asking. And you're worshiping. And you're meditating. And you're praying to Him. And hopefully, it's in His will to change. Hopefully, it's in His will to change that thing. It's powerful. And as Christians, we have this direct tap because of Jesus and His salvation. We have this direct line of communication right through Jesus. We come to Him 
and he goes right to God with it. And we can tap into that power that isn't ours, way beyond ours. Fasting is so powerful. Specifically, what Jesus is talking about, if we get to the point of the matter, what he's saying here in this passage, what he's saying is don't be like the hypocrites, guys. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those that fast in such a way that they, they, they bring the focus on themselves. Don't, don't fast like that. Fast in such a way that you are fasting to be with me. You are fasting to, to, to be one-on-one with me. Do it in silence. Do it in secret. All the while praying. Praying, coming before the Lord Almighty, praying to Him. I just have written here down at the bottom, fasting changes us, not God. Fasting is not a way to appear more spiritual than others. It's not that. It's not a way to one-up your Christian buddy. It doesn't work that way. Christ says, fasting is to be done in a spirit of humility with a joyful attitude. It's to be done with just you and Him. If you haven't fasted, I don't think that you should just go out and stop eating for no reason. But if you're given the opportunity, I highly suggest it. I highly suggest prayer and fasting. That's all I have for you today. Let's end in prayer, and then uh, we'll take communion. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time to, to just to pour over your scripture, Lord, and to, to look at your word. And Lord, I'm, I think we're all thankful. I speak for all of us here that we're thankful that you that you give us your spirit to make your word clear. That we, can, that we can look at the letters in this Bible and we can study them and we can understand them. Thank you. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to just to come before you, Lord, and to, to ask of your will. Thank you for giving us the ways to do that, Lord. Thank you. And thank you for Jesus for dying on the cross atonement for our sins so that we can so that we can be blameless so that we can be free and without sin amen